All right, you ready to study God's Word? Get your Bibles out. Turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8. I'm going to be reading from there in just a moment. Isaiah chapter 8. This is our third and final installment on the power of God. We've been talking about miracles. We've been talking about signs and wonders. And... uh, We began a couple of weeks ago, and we all gathered, as you'll recall, and cried out for miracles. Pastor Noah came last week and just exhorted us to be expectant of God's supernatural work in our life. And here we are on this third Sunday, and we just want to uh, continue to stir an atmosphere of faith for you to believe that God will do supernatural things in your life. I wrote down on my notes here, this shouldn't be just a series should be 24-7, 365 days a year, expectation. That's, that's what we're about. We're about a God who is alive and well today. And so, you know, I may only be able to spend a couple Sundays stirring that under your remembrance, but we need to latch hold of it so that's a 365-day deal in all of our lives. We Christians, uh, most of all, should be the greatest proponents of the miraculous and the present power of God. Uh, you know, Tracy had a word. In fact, she's had a couple of words, so it must be that prophetic thing is getting stirred in you. But uh, she had a word a few weeks ago about a summer of miracles. I believe it can happen. Do you want that to happen in your life? How would you like a summer of miracles? Come on, we're just on the front end of the summer. Come on, believe God that, that through the summer, He's going to do some miraculous things in your life. God doesn't find a couple weeks vacation in the summer. And says, well, you just hang on for a little bit. I, I, I got to take a break. The world is just, you know, my, my head spinning, you know. The Lord doesn't do that. He is on, always. And so I believe there's a summer of miracles. And I believe that there's an appropriate place to uh, obey uh, the prophetic word. A responsibility to keep it stirred. Um, I was excited this morning, just some things that was shared out of Isaiah 6. We sang the song about cleansing our lips. That comes out of Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah saw the Lord with his train filling the temple, the Lord, uh, as he cries out for cleansing, an angel takes a coal off the altar and purges his lips. That's in Isaiah chapter 6. And I thought to myself, praise God, you're preparing us for Isaiah chapter 8. Hallelujah. You know, we don't check in. Trace and I don't check in on what we're going to say. We just kind of go after it. It's amazing what God will do. I might also mention to you, we just have a couple weeks left on our Wednesday night consecrate series. And what I've decided to do was for the rest of the summer on Wednesday night, after we fulfill the, the, the final few classes of consecrate, I'm going to teach and also practice uh, on the subject of healing. So we're just going to keep miracles stirred in our midst in fact i said oh god why don't you make wednesday why don't you make the middle of the week the most powerful service of the week come on now that don't be religious and say what about sunday well come out on wednesday and god moves on wednesdays too amen all right well you know a couple of weeks ago now i guess just a little over a week ago the baird household took some time off to go to orlando we went to the fantasy capital of the world uh, this year was a Disney vacation, and so uh, 
we were able to catch some deals on our condo and catch some deals on some tickets and and we were able to go down there and just relax and we went through Disney because it had been over a decade since we had been to any of the Disney parks. And despite going to Disney on, on other occasions, I'm always struck by several things whenever I go to a Disney park. I'm always struck by the fact that it's clean. I mean, it's amazingly clean. You put 50,000 people in a, in a park and how many of you know you're going to have a couple pigs in there somewhere? But it's amazingly clean. Yes, there are great crowds, amazing crowds of people. The third thing I'm always amazed by is just the overall excellence. How you could get so many employees. I mean, think about that. The employees of, of Disney, how you could get so many of them functioning excellently. That just is amazing to me. And um, I also am just struck by whenever people come, of course, there's a lot of kids and a lot of young kids, a lot of first time people to ever business, visit the parks. And there's this sense of awe that accompanies just being in a park like that. And I want you to know that despite catching a few savings here and there, you pay some big bucks to get into Disney. Amen. And the church, I understand, is not to be compared with Disney. I get that. I understand that. But the point I want to make is this, that there should be something so compelling, something so awesome, Something so powerful, something so miraculous, that we literally cause people to skip Disney and go to church, rather than the other way around. Now, I believe, I understand that's not here. I understand that's hard for us who would be defined in our current age as probably some of the most committed. Now, I understand we're not there, but I believe, you see, we've got to believe it can happen. That's the heart and the will of God. But it's going to take restoring the supernatural dimension to our lives. This isn't, this isn't weird. This isn't spooky. The only reason it's weird to anyone is because you have been so disconnected from a living God, it has become foreign to you. Those of us that desire God to move in power are not the weird ones. Those that have not seen it, you are the ones that are alienated and disconnected and disjointed. God's alive and well and wants to do some phenomenal things. So we've got to get to the place where we see this restored, this dimension restored back to us and functioning in its proper place. Now, if you found Isaiah chapter 8, I'm going to read two verses here, verses 18 and 19. And I've entitled the message or the lesson this morning, I've entitled it, Being Built for Signs and Wonders. Being Built for Signs and Wonders. Now, Isaiah is a prophet, he's prophesying, and he's beginning to talk himself. Now understand, he is talking about himself and he is talking about those, it appears to me, that he feel spiritually connected with and giving oversight to because as you listen to the words it seems to indicate that he's had this impactful powerful experience with god in isaiah chapter 6 and then we find these words coming out of isaiah's mouth he says in 18 here am i and the children whom the lord has given me now he's not just talking about biological kids he's talking about those who would look to him i think i believe as a spiritual dad, as a spiritual 
oversight is, as a, we call it, a pastor. You know, you've heard me teach on these things before. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We, everybody say, that's me. See, we are for signs and wonders in Israel. Isn't that a cool phrase there? We are for signs and wonders in Israel. Now hear me now. He's not just saying we're for it. We're for it. We ain't again it. Are you with me? He's not saying that. He's saying we are for. We are built for. Signs and wonders. From the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And when they say to you. This was a fascinating verse to me. And when they say to you. Seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? That's a rhetorical question. Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? I believe the Bible teaches, and it's certainly my opinion, that all of humanity was created and wired to be touched by the power of God. You and I were built to receive and to conduit supernatural power. You and I were built to receive and to pipeline, to conduit signs and wonders. He wants to manifest in his people signs and wonders. All the debate about his ways, his existence, his presence ceases when we are confronted by the miraculous, you've heard it said on occasion, a man with an experience is not subject to a man with simply an argument. Because you've experienced, you've tasted, you've seen, you know. Don't tell me my theology's wrong. God's done blown your theology out. I've experienced this. I know this. I was listening this week to talk radio, and on one of the talk radio shows, they were interviewing a passenger, a man from flight 1549, as you'll recall, I believe that's the right number, that, that took off, remember, from New York, and then uh, uh, Captain Sully, I believe, was his nickname, and he had to land it in the Hudson, and everyone survived. You remember the story. And so this man who was a passenger was interviewed, and it was being interviewed from one of the more, uh, how do I want to say it, skeptical, it might even be agnostic talk radio show host. And the question was asked to the man, how has your life changed after such a dramatic event? And the man's answer on radio was 180 degrees. He said on the radio, my, my, my life mission has changed. I have begun to talk to people about God's plan and our need to live beyond ourselves. And he begins to just give really a short testimony on talk radio about how this miraculous, can we just say miraculous, happening there on the Hudson River, dramatically changed that one man's life to a place where, where his whole life's mission is now being lived all out for God. That man changed because of a miracle. He changed because of a sign and a wonder, a manifestation of power. I don't know why God doesn't do that every time a plane goes down. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know what may have happened on that plane to have solicited the attention of God. I don't know, but this much I know. That man, and I would venture to say, there are probably numbers of people, lives have been radically rearranged because of that sign and that wonder. Our problem in the American church has been 
that we want to make the gospel reasonable. That's our problem. Our problem is we somehow want to make this moment, right now, the preaching or the teaching of the word, we want to make it palatable. We want to make it logical. We want to make it acceptable. We don't want to alienate anybody. We don't want to alienate a lost person. We don't want to alienate a seeking person. We in no way want to scare them off, weird them out. We don't want them to run away. We don't want them to think us to be crazy. We want somehow for people to, to, to lock in and identify with, with God. And we want ourselves to look at people and identify with them and let them know we're that, not that much different than they are. And so we're sort of in this era where we're trying our best to figure out how to connect with our current culture. And our intentions and our motives may be good. But you know, it's like the old saying, you know, sincerity is not the criterion for truth. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. I've heard people say, well, my intention, my motive, I'm, I'm, I'm genuine, I'm sincere, and, and I believe that, but that don't make you right. And we have got to begin to understand that in our sincerity, perhaps, or in our good intentions, perhaps, we have watered down or we have lost the demonstration of power, fearing somehow that if that happened, we'd alienate people from God who really we want to reach. We just don't want to look weird to them. Because if God shows up in real power, some people get weird. Some people do strange things. And we just want to reach people and know that somehow they can fit. But in doing that, hear me, we have lost our edge. We have lost our edge in demonstrating signs and wonders. We've lost our edge in expecting miracles. In our attempt to somehow normalize to the world Christianity, we have become abnormal because we've lost our power. And here's the interesting part. Whenever we have a power deprivation whenever there's a power loss satan and the occult will pick up the pieces and they will fill in the gap that's exactly what isaiah is alluding to here in the passage i read to you he says we've been created for signs and wonders but instantly in verse 19 he begins to say when people don't see the miraculous happening in our lives when they don't see true signs and wonders they begin to embrace lying signs and wonders. And the reason people do this, especially our generation, you know, the baby boomers are cynical and skeptical and they grew up in, you know, the 60s liberalism, which was basically, basically atheistic. The new generation has grown up in the new age movement and, and they're far more open to supernatural things. And the reasons people in this era are gravitating to especially the lying signs and wonders or the occult is because God has wired all of us without fail. He has wired all of us and built us for supernatural stuff. I believe every single human being is built for the supernatural. Sure we are. There's not one person. Every person has an intuitive side to them. Even the atheist who won't admit it has an intuitive side. There's something in them that knows there's more than just what's going on at this particular moment. And so we're drawn to the supernatural at some level 
because that's how God wired us. But because we've ignored God's desire, because we've gone our own ways, because we don't want his commandments, we don't want to be obedient, what happens is that the wiring all of us were built with to be open for supernatural activity becomes corrupted and carnal, and then it begins to seek for itself in even evil things. Uh, This past week, we were able to slip away. I hadn't gone to see a movie in a a long, long time. So we went and saw a night at the museum when he went to the Smithsonian. Kind of a fun uh, movie and just something you can laugh at. But you know, you always get the trailers before you actually see the film that you've come to see. And so we were watching all the trailers and they're beginning to uh, market and publicize the brand new Harry Potter movie. Now I'm going to tell you a little story here. Years ago, here in Charleston, I don't know, it had to have been 11 years ago probably now, at least a decade ago, I wrote a letter to the editor of the Post and Courier because they did a gigantic article in the paper on the first Harry Potter book. And so I wrote a letter to the editor. I just, I thought everybody's espousing all these things. I just decided I'd just jump in where angels fear to tread. I just, just a letter, I just thought I'd let him know. Well, I wrote this letter to the editor, sent it in, they printed it. I didn't find, I found out a couple weeks later that my letter had caused one of the biggest stirs at the Post and Courier. Well, it also caused a stir as people read it because I got all kinds of letters back to me. You know, when you put your name and your address on that letter to the editor, that's not always the most wonderful thing in the world. So... So I got all these letters back telling me I was just a kook and I was a nut and I just had lost my mind. And people thought I was crazy. And one of the things in the letters that I wrote, it was just, I don't know if it was the first book or the first movie or what, but I I wrote in the letter, I said, whenever Satan is involved in something, it may start out uh, light and easy and fun, but it will always end in darkness, death, and destruction. And while you may not believe me today, there will be a day you will see this to be true. And we were watching the trailer now. We're 11 years past that letter. And as we were watching the trailer, I'm just going to tell you right up. It's as dark a movie as you would ever see if you went to go see a Friday the 13th or a Halloween. I already have prophesied that you watch. Somehow or another, Harry will get killed. You watch. That's because anytime you deal with occultic activity, that's the direction it will always go. Watch it. Watch it. There's something that the enemy uses in order to solicit us in the beginning of something we really are wired for, but it leads us to that which will destroy us and and, and cause us to absolutely fall apart. Listen, the reason psychics and TV shows and Chris Angel, and paranormal detectives. Do you know there's a whole show about paranormal detectives that go into old buildings in order to record and find ghosts? You understand? And they think I'm weird when I talk about the Holy Ghost. Is, Is something not twisted? People are paying big bucks to take the ghost walk in Charleston, South Carolina. And yet I'm weird to suggest that God heals today. Are you starting to get this? Somebody's trying to shut us down while they're trying to keep their thing happening. His name is D-E-V-I-L. Now, 
There are three interesting words for signs and wonders. I I know you're going to write these down and memorize these things, so here we go. First word is the word off. (laughs) You you don't care, do you? You just, off. All right, I'll just leave it alone. Off. Off is the Hebrew word that refers to something that points beyond itself. That's what a sign and a wonder is. It is those events that grab people's attention and points them. If you want to know what a true sign and wonder is, it points them to God's presence. Again, the miraculous landing in, in the Hudson River, an accident. There are probably people in this congregation. You've been in an accident that you should have died in. But somehow, some way, you walked away from it. That was a sign and that was a wonder. And it was meant to point you to the presence of God. There are people in here, you would say, I had something happen and I should have died, but I didn't. I took a drug overdose and I, I was dead. The doctor said I should have been dead, but I'm not. Something happened and whatever should have taken place, didn't take place. And that was a sign. And here's the sad part. How many of us have had signs, but we've walked away from them? We've not had the the sense to discern that this is God trying to get us pointed back to him. The second word is the word Pele. Yes, it sounds like the, the soccer player, Pele. It means to do something extraordinary, something not explainable by natural causes. This is the one where... Maybe the laws of nature get suspended. Um, you know, biblically, you know, Joshua, the Bible tells us, prayed. And of course, in the biblical terminology, it said the sun stood still. But literally, the earth stood still. And, and the sun didn't move like it normally did. That was, a, that, was a nat, that was a suspending of natural law. And that was a sign or that was a wonder. Then the last word was mophet, M-O-P-H-E-T. This combines... The miracle or the power manifestation with the reason for its significance. In other words, Elijah called fire down from heaven. When he called fire down from heaven, that sign and wonder uh, happened in order that, as you will recall, we might know who was the true God. That was the reason for that particular sign and wonder. So there are all sorts of reasons even found in the words, the Hebrew words, with regards to the miraculous. And I want to say at this point, nothing should be discounted because it seems strange to us at first. I mean, we've really got to, we, we've got to recover a Christian mentality. If you discount things because they seem strange, then you're going to get rid of 80% of the Bible. Because the Bible is filled cover to cover with strange and unusual happenings. Things that don't fit into the normal, natural, reasonable, logical explanation. And I'm always amazed at how there will be people who will fight you tooth and nail over the veracity of the Word of God and the integrity and the inerrancy of the Word of God. But you open it and suggest to them that something just as strange could happen today. Oh, no way. So we have no problem historically granting God power, but don't bring it up to date. And I'm here to tell you, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I believe he is up to date. Up to date. Now, why do we need this? Just a couple things I want to mention here. 
Why the need for signs and wonders? Let me just say, number one, I tell you why. Because I know people say, you just don't need it anymore. It just doesn't fit. It's just passe. It just causes problems. People get weird. You're always cleaning up messes. You always have to bring correction. I know. You see, we don't want to correct anybody in our modern era. So we don't want the miraculous because you're going to get corrected. I mean, there are people who God will show up and then they get in the flesh and they do something fleshly and they'll say they're spiritual. And you got to correct it. But we don't want to correct people. So why not? Let's just not have the power of God come and we won't have to worry about that. Well, that's not the option. Are you with me? That's why shepherds are shepherds. See, it's not that we don't like you. It's not that we don't love you. It's not that we sit up at night thinking about how we can mess your life up and just find ways to nitpick at you. We just we're just trying to help you help you receive walk and get to the place God would want you to be in. Now, so anyway, I got to get back. It, why do we need signs and wonders? Number one, it creates an appropriate awe and wonder. In Acts 3.10, there's a story here about Peter and John. You know the story. Going to temple by the gate called Beautiful. A man lame for decades wants to be healed. Uh, asks for something from them, wanting, I suspect, money or some something that a beggar would receive. And Peter says, look at us, and silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the, the dude gets up, he's, I think, three decades of, of, of the inability to walk, and suddenly he's standing up. He's not just walking. I mean, the dude who couldn't walk isn't just going. The Bible says... He's jumping and he's praising God. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing miracle. And it says here in Acts 3, verse 10, this is what it says. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. Listen, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wonder and amazement. The reason signs and wonders exist is because every now and then we need what President Bush called shock and awe. Yes, we do. We need God to show up and shock and awe us. And it causes us to once again shake out of all the natural and begin to understand that there is something more than just this. So there's an appropriate awe, appropriate wonder. You know what? It, something's wrong when, when you can walk out of Spaceship Earth in, in Epcot or walk out of Soren in Epcot and you go, whoa, that was incredible. But we can't walk out of the house of God and say the same thing at times. See? You're following me. Now, I know you're saying, Pastor, not like you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to give people an expectation that if you don't meet, what, what are we going to do? Well, you know what? We're pursuing I know, I know it's not there yet, but we've got to get there. So there's an appropriate awe, an appropriate wonder too. The reason we need signs and wonders is because it causes a powerful consciousness of the divine presence. A person, you know, a person can come in and whether it's the house of God or anywhere. I mean, and, and it's not, I like what Trey said, it's not, it's not that these four walls have to be the container of the supernatural. But, you know, people can be confronted with a supernatural activity and suddenly they can have a very skeptical, it can't happen, that suddenly they're transitioned to, did you see that? It breaks that, that cynicism or skepticism in the atmosphere. You know, Jacob, 
at Bethel when God, when God intervened in a supernatural way and unveiled his eyes to those angels that were going up and down the ladder. In fact, we put it on the gate that's out there in the main foyer, the phrase. He said, he said, surely, one of the things he said, surely God is in this place. And, and then he says, and I did not know it. At least he was honest, wasn't he? He said, God is in this place and I was, I was clueless. I didn't know it. Until there was this powerful happening where he walked away and he said, man, this is, this is God. I sense God. And whenever a sign and a wonder, a miraculous happening takes place, there can be that powerful consciousness. Number three, I believe that it answers the cry of the human heart. I believe this, and, and, and I've been taken to task on this point, but I still maintain that there is something inside of the human heart that cries for supernatural activity, something beyond themselves. Because all of us have faced circumstances and issues, have we not? Where if, if, if God didn't show up and do something, we were in trouble. It wasn't going to happen. My life is really messed up. And at that moment, there's something in the human heart that's unveiled that cries out and says, I need a miracle. Even an atheist in a hospital, when they're riddled with cancer, will look at you and say, unless a miracle comes, I'm dead. Why would an atheist say that? Why don't they just say when they're riddled with cancer and they're fixing to die? Why don't they just say, well, I'm going to turn into dirt here in a minute. Because in their wiring, in their wiring, the creation is calling out to its creator. It answers the cry of the human heart in Acts chapter 4, verse 30, when they tossed Peter into jail. The church got together and listen to what they prayed. This is how the church, early church prayed. It says this in the middle of their prayer, Acts 4, 30. They're calling upon the Lord. They say, Lord, listen, they're threatening us. They're, they're, they're hurting us, and, and we're asking you now to stretch forth your hand, give us boldness. And then in verse 30, it says also to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I'm telling you, we can pray for miracles. We can pray for signs and wonders. Don't you let some self-righteous, super-spiritual, know-nothing person look at you and say, I don't seek miracles, I just seek God. Well, wonderful, I need a miracle and it can only come from God. I got a verse. They prayed for signs and wonders. Now, hear me, I, I know where it comes from and I know who will get the glory. That's not really in question in my heart and life i'm not confused on this matter i know god wants to do this but we've got to cry out to see his hand in our lives number four i believe it opens people's heart to the truth of god's word it was interesting i was just again i was thinking about all the instances of signs and wonders and miracles and i thought to myself do you know how god introduced himself to the children of israel in fact, I'm going to come back to Moses in a few minutes here. But, but do you know how God introduced himself to the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt? There are all these miracles that took place, and we're going to get back to that. But they got out of Egypt, and their first introduction to the Lord was when Moses was, was preparing and going up into Sinai in order to get the commandments. And it says in Exodus 20, verse 18, that God showed up in thunder 
and lightning and smoke. Now get this, and sounds of trumpets. In other words, there were the sounds of trumpets taking place without trumpeteers in the natural. And that's how the people, as they came out of their bondage, were introduced to the Lord and how they were prepared to receive the word of the Lord. This is what God literally said. He said, experience me first, then let's talk. Now, I think that's pretty smart of the Lord. Because you know what? There have been times we've talked to people and they won't listen. It it may make sense to us because the mind is regenerated, the heart is cleansed and made right. But for a lot of people, they need to see the hand of the Lord. And let me just say this, that if you've seen the hand of the Lord in your life, but you're not listening to what he has to say, that's, that's very dangerous, in my opinion. God is wanting you to listen to his voice, and he captures your attention because of signs and wonders. And so this is the children of Israel, and this is how they get introduced to their God. Thunder, lightning, smoke, loud trumpets. I mean, it just shot the theory that somehow you got to prep people for the presence of God. We can't have that. It alienate them. Well, dear God, no, it won't. It ought to just open up their eyes to a whole new realm. It's just what the world needs. Now, the question is, and we're going to end with this, and we're going to pray in an unusual way before we end this morning. I'm going to give us plenty of time to do this. The question is, how do we begin to manifest this? How do we, how do, we do as Isaiah said? We are, we are for signs and wonders. We are built for signs and wonders. Where does this start? Well, let me read a couple verses to you. If you have your Bible, keep your fingers nimble here. But in 1 Corinthians 4.20, 1 Corinthians 4.20, it's an interesting passage, just bear with me. I'm going to read several passages in different places, but it's very important. So listen carefully. 1 Corinthians 4.20. It says that the kingdom of God is not in word, but what? The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Oh, if you could get that passage and then go back and read the Gospels. And every time that word kingdom shows up. Begin to see the power of God. So Jesus said, Jesus said, if I, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, you will know the kingdom of God has come near. That makes sense now, doesn't it? Doesn't mean heaven suddenly showed up. It means power showed up. Sure. The kingdom, the kingdom. And so kingdom means power. Now listen to this. Turn over to Matthew chapter 11. Again, I got to read you several verses, but if you want to do your own kingdom study, you can do this. Matthew 11, listen to what Jesus says, verse 12. And then I'm going to jump over to Luke. But right now it's Matthew 11, verse 12. Jesus is speaking and listen to what he says. Because he's already dealt with the fact that John's disciples have come to him and they wanted to know if he was the real deal. Are you the real deal? Jesus, how do we know that you're really the Messiah? And you remember what he said? He did not give John a theological treatise. He did not talk about doctrine. He did not, you know, expound the scripture. This is what he said to John earlier. He said, you go tell John this. He says, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. 
he said to John's disciples, he said, you go tell him that power is happening. That's what he says. Jesus, Jesus didn't spend a lot of time going through Isaiah 53 and doing this exposition on the scripture and showing all these different points. And do you remember in my life when I did this and how it fulfilled it? No, he said power is demonstrated. Power is being demonstrated. And then he begins to expound on some things about John, a, 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 a great, a great memorial to John. And in verse 12, he says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, here's kingdom again, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. In other words, he's instantly saying, he's saying the power of God as it's manifest is, is in the middle of, of a confrontation. It's in the middle of some violence. Let me tell you, power doesn't come without a fight. If you're lazy, power won't come to you. If you want power in your life, you've got to get determined and vigilant and forceful. And, and, and spiritually forceful. He says the kingdom of heaven, power suffers violence. And then it says this, and the violent or the forceful lay hold of it by force. Now, now keep that in mind. He's giving us a clue about how power comes. Turn over to Luke 16, 16. It's a, it's a harmonized, a harmonized part, but it, but it, and unveils just another aspect. Luke 16, 16. And hang on, and then I'm going to give you three things you can do. Luke 16, 16. It says this. It said, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. And everyone is pressing. Say pressing. And everyone is pressing into it. The power of God as we understand it in the kingdom. And, and in one of these days, I'm gonna go, I'm, I'll do a series on the kingdom because the kingdom's fascinating. We don't get kingdom either in America. We, we kind of get democracy, which is our problem. If we could get kingdom, we would, we would explode in anointing. But, but I, I, can't, I can't go that direction. Three things that we can do this morning. Three things. Listen to what Jesus says. If you'll get these three things, you will be miles down the road. Number one, just write down the word confess confess it says here that the kingdom of god has been preached or proclaimed we have to declare we have to speak what we believe and have faith for nothing will ever happen in your life or even in corporate gathering here at church greater than the confession that comes out of our mouth if we aren't preaching for power power won't come if we don't preach miracles, miracles won't come. If we don't preach that we can actually do the impossible, the impossible won't be made possible. It will not happen. If all we do is try to be relevant and just continually counsel, counsel, counsel and make it palatable, that's all you'll get. Now, that isn't necessarily bad, but where's the power? Are you following me? If you aren't talking about the power of God in your life, if you aren't talking about miracles, I know what you say. You say, if I talk to my neighbor about miracles, they'll just shut me down. Listen, they need a miracle. Who else is going to talk to them about it? Are you going to just, I'm just, well, I'm just kind of trying to slyly just get them. Maybe if I could just sort of sneak them in under the radar. Maybe a pastor will just be real tame for two or three weeks, kind of get them ready for everything. 
They don't need, they need blasted out of their situation. That's what they need. They need a good old dose of wake up. You gotta preach for power. Now, let me tell you, in the era we are in, it is not the time to be silent. There was a phrase that the early church used that I so like. This was their phrase. We could not help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When Jesus came to town, let me tell you, the reason he had crowds is because people been talking about it. Jesus shows up and everybody's yakking about the miracle worker, the wonder worker. And he came to towns and granted some towns, some were healed. Some towns, the Bible says, many were healed. Other towns, the scripture says, all were healed. You know what I think it has to do with it? In fact, I'll just say this. It says that when he got to Nazareth, his own hometown, ain't nobody healed. And you know what I think that has to do? It has nothing to do with the capriciousness or the arbitrariness of Jesus when it comes to healing. I believe it had to do with how people were yakking. Here's Nazareth who was too familiar with Jesus, and they were the ones going, eh, he's just a carpenter's son. Oh, you know, it's just a carpenter, and he just, I, I, hey, I babysat for him. I changed his diapers. He poops like everyone else does. What makes him think like he's such a hot shot? And they're just all doing this, and no miracle. None. Zero. And then they go to this other place, and they talk a little bit about miracles. Well, you know, I can't deny my cousin went to go see him at that meeting over at Capernaum and doggone it, he did get healed. Right, you think he could do that? And they're just talking, and Jesus shows up and some get healed. And then these others go over there and they're a little bit more excited. In fact, they start standing in line saying, did you hear about this? I mean, have mercy. I mean, this guy must be the real deal everywhere he goes. I mean, I know, I know, you know. I, I know that dude, oh, Roger was telling me about it. Oh, Roger was just telling and Roger, don't lie. And they're just talking about it. All of a sudden, many are healed. And then he finally gets to a place where everybody's going, yes, the healer is here. Yes, God is fixing the move. You can lay your money on it. Show up, be there on time. God is going to move. And the Bible says all were healed. Now, I guarantee you, you know, you know why most of us in the church today live in Nazareth? It's because we've got a Nazareth spirit. A few churches have the some spirit. Fewer have the many spirit, and there just ain't many that got the all spirit. There's just not many that have it. We've got to begin to speak this thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said. I'm not ashamed. It is the power of God, he says. That's what he says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. Yeah, we believe in the power of God. What do you believe in? Nothing? Defeat? You just believe that it's all falling apart? Well, you just believe. I'm glad you feel like God comforts you and he comforts me. But I sure love the comfort that comes when the miracles show up. Hallelujah. Romans 15, 18. I got to read some of this. I got to get the word in you. Romans 15, 18 and 19. Listen to what Paul says. He says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. Verse 19. In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about to uh, Elysium, or however that's pronounced, I have fully, he says, listen to what he says, I have fully 
preached the gospel. We don't fully preach the gospel until some miracles begin to show up. That's the ministry. That's what Paul says. He says, I haven't done, I hadn't done my whole job. In fact, when he tried to get cute with the intelligent philosophical Greeks at the Arapagus, God shut him down. No miracles there. In fact, I believe Paul kicked himself after that, wishing he'd done something different because here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I believe, again, that he's thinking back to the last time he was in this Greek city and he got shut down by the philosophers because he was trying, he was trying to be like them. He was trying to show how smart he was. He was trying to show how acceptable he could be. He was trying to show that, that he could be receivable. See, I'm kind of smart like you guys, and I can pontificate like you guys. Let me tell you, some people are too smart for their own good. Some people have, they, they need a brain transplant. And he says in 1 Corinthians 2, listen to what he says here. Great stuff. He says, and brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Don't you, don't you walk with God because pastor seems to make it all make sense. Well, I'm grateful if I can help you in that regard, but you need your faith in the power of God, not in man's wisdom. We think people think that somehow we're crazy. I'll give you a hint. They already think you're crazy. You might as well confirm that in their lives. Number two, we confess. Number two, we press i got to hurry. The things of God are not lazily stumbled into. You must press into the things of God. It will take aggressiveness. Aggressiveness to enter into the unexplainable. Aggressiveness to move into the impossible. God isn't dropping this into our laps just because we're cute. We have to press. Press means to be spiritually passionate, not, not passive, passionate. You can't have a take it or leave it mentality. You got to, you got to, there's some things you just got to want. You got to want it. I, I just, I, I'll tell the story again, probably on Wednesday night, but I'd say John Wimber was known for his healing ministry, but he will tell you in his own biography out of his book that it was literally months and months of months of not seeing anybody healed but he kept teaching it and preaching it and believing it and praying for people in fact he even said folks got sicker before they got better but he said i believe god's word i believe god's word i believe god's word and they wouldn't let it go until god started to show up they pressed they didn't do it once and it didn't work so i'm done with it they kept going based on god's word you've got to press and then finally number three we possess the power of god and the miraculous are a part of our inheritance i believe god's power is a part of my inheritance i'm a believer you're a believer and it's a part of the inheritance of a believer in fact jesus said with reference to john in matthew eleven twelve, he said he said that we have to take it take it by force which literally means to lay hold of it or to possess it You've got to want to possess this thing. 
And this is what I believe. I believe in every city there must be a people who witness these things and begin to testify of these things to the people of that city. There must be a people who weather the derision of skepticism and cynicism, who lovingly endure the false reports and the crazy accusations, just like Paul did in the early church. They thought he was a cult. They thought he was crazy. They thought he was out to lunch. And we've got to endure some things in order to see God move in a way that he can move. We have to possess this. Will we possess this? Now, I'm ending with this, and then we're going to pray this morning. The Spirit of God showed me that I believe was a word. Listen to this, and I'm done. When Moses was called to deliver a people out of Egypt, out of their bondages, and to bring them into their promised land, their promises. As you'll recall, he felt initially very inadequate, but he had a dramatic happening at a burning bush, and he obeyed what the Lord said. And he goes, and most of us know the story, but I just want to put the story real quickly into context, real quickly, that Moses goes into Egypt and listen to what happened in order to bring people out of bondage. Number one, it took a consistent and credible release of supernatural signs to finally shake the nation of Egypt. I began to think about this. Pharaoh didn't let the people go because of sign one. Just because he threw his staff down and it became a snake, that didn't move Moses. Didn't move, excuse me, didn't move Pharaoh. Didn't move Pharaoh on sign number two. Or sign number three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. In fact, the Bible says Pharaoh's heart grew harder. So Moses kept going back and going back. I don't know about you, but he demonstrated some pretty phenomenal signs in order to see the people released. And it took the 11th sign. It took 11 back-to-back miraculous signs to set people free and change a nation. Now just keep that in mind. Number two. It took Moses being able to eclipse the counterfeit signs of Janus and Jambres, the magicians of the court. In other words, Janus and Jambres did some of the very same things Moses did. And they were counterfeit signs. And Moses had to continue to press in until signs came forth from that ministry and his life that could no longer be counterfeited by the occult. Keep that in mind. Number three. It took even signs and wonders after you broke the bondages of Egypt to get them into the promised land. It's not just a miracle that sets you free. You've got to have miracles to get you into your destiny. The Red Sea had to split. Manna had to show up. Quail had to show up. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. There had to be miracles all along the way in order to get into destiny. Now, I told you that to tell you this. If we're going to win a city, if we're going to affect a state, and if America is going to be changed, then the people of God need to realize that when it comes to the miraculous, it cannot be a one-time thing. It can't be just a jet that lands miraculously in the Hudson. People will walk away and for an hour they'll call it a miracle. And then suddenly and slowly it'll evaporate and we're all back to our same old skeptical self. We need to be a people of perpetual, consistent, credible, back-to-back-to-back miracles until the spirit of Pharaoh is broken. Now that ain't going to happen unless we press. 
Number two, we should be ashamed that the occult acts and operates in greater power than any of us. We just should be ashamed. Why don't we just admit it? I'm ashamed. It is, it is time that we didn't look at psychics and say, wow. We look at psychics and go, whoa, big deal. You should see my God. We got to press. We got we to risk some things. And finally, number three, whether it's our destiny as a church or whether it's your destiny as a person, or whether it's our destiny as the body of Christ at large, unless there are miracles that come back to us, we will never get in our destinies. No, we won't. Destiny isn't isn't available because you knew how to network. It's available because of the power of God. And, And... I understand, I can't do this every single Sunday. There's so much in order to faithfully teach you the whole counsel of God. And next week we're going to share some other things and, and the following week we're going to talk about God and our country. And, and so we've got, to, we've got to move so that you are fully equipped. But I'm just stirring here in the beginning of the summer what should be 365, 24-7 in your mind and your heart and in your expectation that God, God, God is going to show up. Signs and wonders and miracles and unexplainable things. I want that. I want that for you and I want that for us. Now here's what we're going to do in these last moments I have. I'm going to ask all those that Tracy and I work with. Trace, just come on. All the ladies that Trace works with, the guys that I work with, I want you to slip out and come here real quick. You know who I'm talking about. They're, they're connect group leaders. And we're going to do something real. This is, I'm not going to belabor, but I'm going to pray for you guys quick. And then, and then in just a minute, we're going to pray for the people. How many of you want to become a sign and a wonder? How many of you want some power working in your life? I mean, I want that for you. I want that for you guys right here. I want it for all of you right here. I, I'm tired of walking naturally trying to do the work of the kingdom. The work of the kingdom was never meant to be done out of our natural resources. It was meant to be done out of supernatural resource. We see it, don't we, Wally, sporadically on occasion. We do, praise God. But I'm telling you, the sporadic needs to be knocked down. The consistent, the credible. I'm telling you, it can't be explained away. I'm done with coincidences. I mean, we'll give, I don't believe in coincidences, and we'll give God glory for the providences that come our way. But I'm tired of always trying to make people think a coincidence was God. I'm ready for God to step in and suspend the laws of nature. And, and just say to some good old skeptic, take that. What are you going to do with that? And just let them go tilt. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you guys right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm just going to, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name, I'm just, I'm just, this is just anointing oil. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm just speaking a new anointing upon these people right here. In Jesus' name, Lord, we, we love our folks here at our church, and we just want them to be blessed. And we're just putting an anointing right now. As pastor, I'm just speaking over some of my leaders here and just asking, Lord, that they'd be anointed afresh and anew right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, let power come into their hands. Let them, let them be able to say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, let it be conduited through me in order to reach the people in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Guys, if you believe that's happening and you just say, I receive that right now, I receive that right now. Okay, now you know how I asked you to line up, so I want you all to start lining up in that gauntlet right here. I want half of you looking at me and the other half with your backs to me, and I want you to form that. I want you to form a little gauntlet here. There you go. Very good. Amen. I need someone right in here. Amen. Here's what we're going to do, folks. Everybody stand with me in just a moment. This is what we're going to do. Hallelujah. Forget you, you, you want fresh infilling? Come on now. Do you want something to be ignited in you? Come on. We're, we're going to have to learn that ignition happened through the laying on of hands. And this is what I'm going to ask. The whole church, I even told the workers in children's church, and if it works for the nursery... Here in just a moment, don't go yet, but if you want to you get your child, that's fine. I think they're going to bring the children in as well. But I want our whole church. Now, you may not want to do this. If you don't want to, I, no one's going to come make you do anything. But I would like for the whole church to just move through this gauntlet, and they're just going to quickly lay hands on you. We, we can't t- we're not going to take much time. You're just going to walk straight through. we got everybody to walk through. This is only going to take about 10 minutes tops. But they're just, they're praying and interceding right now. They're just going to start laying. And as you come through the gauntlet, I believe, I believe you're going to be activated in greater power. We're going to believe that signs and wonders. I'm going to, I'm going to catch you right here at the front. And I'm just going to give you an anointing just right across. And you're going to come out of this gauntlet with a fresh anointing. The ushers are going to let you go to the back. And I'm going to need everybody to come around this way and move through it this way. Are you following me? Everybody's going to move through this way. And I'd like for you just to hang around and, and as soon as you go through to go back to your seat, we're going to play music. You can worship God. The words will be up on the screen overhead. But we're going to believe for great and mighty, powerful things. If you need a miracle this morning, why don't you believe as you walk through the gauntlet that God is going to do a miracle? If you need a healing this morning, why don't you believe that as God takes you through this gauntlet, there's going to be a healing. If you say, I need to see power released from my life, why don't you believe that something's going to be activated in your life? You say, well, this is kind of different for a Sunday. Yes, praise God. Something a little different for Sunday morning. It's time something got a little different on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. And we'll just start, we'll just start section by section. And don't you guys worry about being the last because God saves the best wine for last. Hallelujah. Come on, you say, is that weird? Oh, come on, knock the weird out just for a minute. It's only as weird as you want to make it. Father, right now I ask, and guys, go ahead and begin to punch the music. Father, I ask. That your Holy Spirit would begin to move in this place. That you'd heal people, touch people. That you would cause supernatural activity to be stirred here in our midst. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Come on, guys. I got to just keep coming. Come on, man. Somebody make some noise in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now, for what you're doing in people's lives. Hallelujah. All right. There you go. Hallelujah. Fresh anointing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God's going to do some great things right now. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. 
his name. Come on, move him through, guys. Jesus name. Jesus name. Well, help them through, guys. You gotta help them through. Hallelujah. A lot of people, guys. A lot of people.
guys, lots of people. Come on, touch them, touch them. Come on, touch them, and we got to got lots of folks. There's power here all through the gauntlet. In Psalms it says, only ask, and I'll give the nations to you as your inheritance. Lord, we ask for the nations. Okay. Give us clean hearts to desire the nations. Lift up your eyes to the heartlands. Fresh anointing. People are coming to lights. The darkness is losing its power. The morning is breaking the night. Singing with me. Lift up your eyes to the heartlands. The people are coming to lights. Darkness is losing its power. The morning is breaking the night. So Lord, you have given me purpose. My passion is winning the lost. My destiny is in the great harvest. It all reaching no matter the cost. Amen. So Lord, you have given me purpose. My passion is winning the oh, guys, even the little ones. My destiny's in the great harvest. I'll reach it no matter the cost. And you give me joy. And you give me joy. And you give me peace. And you give me peace. And you give me joy in the hearts. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody, you can pray. Just extend your hands and pray and worship God right now. All right. All right, good old Baptist Come on, guys. 
神在，在，神在，在，在，在。This last song, we're going to worship God together. Boy, the Lord did that just perfect. Just perfect. Lord, we thank you for your love. Just perfect. It amazes us. We're just going to worship God this last moment before we leave this morning. Creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. Cast me not away, your Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And with my hands lifted high, I will praise you as King. And what have I done? To deserve a love like yours, and with our voices lifted high, we proclaim you as King. And what have we done to deserve a love like yours? And renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away, O Lord, and take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. And with my hands lifted high. I will praise you as King. So what have I done to deserve a love like yours? And with our voice lifted high, we proclaim you as King. So what have we done to deserve a love like yours? 
Come on, just worship him now in the beauty of his holiness. He loves us unconditionally. We worship you, oh God. that we have done. Let's respond to him tonight. Say, I love you. 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 I need 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 you. Say I love you. Oh, I love you. 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 I will praise you as king. What have I done to deserve a love like yours? With our voices lifted high, we proclaim you as king. But what have we done to deserve a love like yours? you, O oh God. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you praise. Anyone receive healing as they got, went through the line? I mean, is there something, is there, I mean, there was a distinguishable difference, something distinguishably different. Come here real quick. I'll do this real quick. I know some of you I need to get away. What did God do real quick? I was having issues with my ears because of swimming and it's gone. I mean, it's like healed. Hallelujah. I didn't notice any, any, just, I just like to hear God did something. It's good to establish it by way of testimony. Did God bring healing? I mean, did something's different in your body. Maybe. Amen. 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 Anyone bring mending through the week? I remember I let you go last week, brought mending through the week. Hallelujah. Robert, something happened? Come on, man. Tell me what happened then. Hallelujah. Pastor, I'm going to tell you that since I've been here, since God has been moving in my life, my spirit is being healed. Um, I'm being healed emotionally, physically, and 
and all of my life, and God is beginning to work and, and to bring me closer to him and allow me to see where I've been at. Where I, when I came here, I was really messed up. But I'm a, today, where I stand at today, I just feel the power of God being more and more Praise real God. in my day, each and every day. Well, we want that. God wants that. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, put your arms to the Lord. Let's just take another moment. Everyone say, more, Lord. <laughs> Lord, you've got more to do. More to do in our life. Lord, you want to manifest yourself in amazing ways in our midst and in our lives. And Lord, it's not been your issue. It's been ours. For various reasons, Lord, we've cut ourselves off from the power lifeline. And Lord, we just want you to know today that we're opening ourselves back up, Lord, to amazing, dramatic, powerful, awe-inspiring signs and wonders and miracles, things that attest to you and who you are. Lord, it's not about us. It's about you and your kingdom. Lord, a local church is just an expression, one expression of the kingdom. So, Lord, we ask that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In this place, in our lives, in the earth, as it is in heaven. And, Lord, I thank you for a people. You're, you're going to do some distinguishably different things. Lord, you, you have transitioned some people this morning from a place they were to a new place. From a state of mind that they were at to a new place of thinking. You're transitioning your people, Lord, out of their disappointments into expectations. You're renewing their hope because they lost it and it dried up the bones, but they feel strength come into the bones because their hope has been renewed. Thank you, Lord, that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, unto our complete wholeness. So, Lord, I pray now that it would be established in this people. It would be established in this place. And, Lord, it would forever bear fruit, Lord, in our lives and in the ministry as we come together to do the work of your church. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for that. Can you say, I receive that right now. I receive that truth. Come on now, tell them, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to my old natural ways. I'm pressing. I'm confessing. I'm possessing. It's, it's going to be different. Come on. It may, it may not be radically different, but I'm not being deterred anymore. No more. No more. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for doing that this morning. I believe, Lord, this is one of those calendar moments in our lives. Let it be so. And let your love, Lord, just be dispensed upon the people as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name. And all the people said amen. amen. Come on, amen and amen. God love you. I hope to see a lot of you either at your connect groups on Wednesday night. Don't forget a lot of things happen all through the week. God bless you. Hug necks and shake hands. Love each other. Encourage one another. And you're released. God bless you.